You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. Philippians chapter 3. God is good this morning. Philippians chapter 3. And this morning, I want to share a couple things with you. I told you last week that I wanted you to pray about some things. I wanted you to be able to, to really talk to the Lord about some stuff. And get in the presence of the Lord this week so that we can be able to come in and be able to just experience His presence this morning. And I thank you, those of you that did this morning. And I want to share something with you because I, I really believe God is getting ready to be able to do some stuff in this house. Really believe it. In Philippians chapter 3, I want to read a very familiar passage of Scripture beginning in verse 12. We have all heard this passage of Scripture. We've heard it preached a thousand times, especially around the first part of the year. But I want to be able to share this passage of Scripture. And I want to take it in a kind of a brand new direction if I could. Verse 12. Listen to what the Word of God says. Now that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the glory for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This morning I want to talk for just a few moments about moving forward through the waiting. In 12, 13, and 14, in those verses of Philippians chapter 3, he expressly tells us in verse 12, press on to attain the divine purpose of your life. In verse 13 he even says this, to forget about the past and reach forward to what is up ahead. In verse 14 he says this, press toward the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. He is in a position where he is saying, move. Move. Move forward to where I want you to be. Listen very carefully. Understand this, in these passages of Scripture, he does not put an age barrier on it. He does not put a health factor on it. He does not put a geographic location on it. He does not put any outstanding clauses on it that will say that you can, that can void your participation in this. He just says this, if you are in the church in Philippians, understand this, you need to move forward. And I say to this Rose of Sharon, Brother and sister, God is wanting us to move forward. And He's wanting us to experience new things for the glory of God. And so listen very carefully as we begin to see. Paul the Apostle is trying to motivate the church. Move forward. This morning, that's my, that is what I, God has placed me here on this platform to be able to do. To say to you the same way that Paul said to the Philippians church. And that is this. Move forward. 
Stop being complacent in where you are. Let us move forward where we have been. Let us move forward in the cause of Christ. So this morning, the Apostle Paul, we're trying to be able to get you to move forward to be what God has called us to be in this community, to be what God has called us to be in this county, to be able to see God work in this place. Now, brothers and sisters, understand something. We have seen God work. We have seen God do amazing things. We have seen God, I have seen God literally raise two people from the dead. Literally. I have seen where God has done amazing things. I have seen joints that have been fused together and watch as the presence of the Lord comes. Man, all of a sudden watch them as they've kicked and literally watch a knee that had been fused back when I was a kid. Watch a knee that had been fused together and watch as they kick and watch as you hear a pop and watch as strength comes to that knee and that knee is restored back to 100%. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen barren wombs come back to life again. I've seen God do some amazing things. But brother and sister, understand this. We have seen God work powerfully in this church. We have felt the presence of the Lord even this this morning amazingly but understand this God is in the business of wanting to direct us and lead us from glory to glory to glory to glory and to glory there he wants us to be this morning caught up right in the middle of the presence of the Lord we are beginning, brother and sisters, to see God do more and more things, seeing new people coming in the church. We're expecting, dear God, to even see more. And we're beginning to grow a culture of loving people and to fellowshipping one once again with the saints of God. We're wanting to bring together a culture that allows us to connect together. To be able to be what God wants us to be. To know what it is to love each other. To know what it is to pray for each other. To know what it is. And if you're not taking part in some of these things. In the fellowship in the morning. And some of the things that we do in the evening. Brother and sister. Get involved. Get connected. Because it's a beautiful thing to be able to get to know each other in Christ. And understand this. We've seen the children's department, the youth department. We're seeing them begin to grow and begin to grow and and gain traction and see God do some things and become productive. We are seeing movement in different areas. But brother and sister, understand this. We are not wanting to just see movement and just stop. We are wanting to see continual movement. We are wanting to see it continue to move forward. We are wanting momentum. Momentum is defined as this. The force or speed of movement. I want movement. But brother and sister, I don't want it to be the herky-jerky kind. You know what I mean? How many of you have ever uh, learned to drive with the stick? All right. Now, you know, you let off the clutch and just get that. Now, how many of you have gotten used to being an automatic, and then after many years you get into a into a into a standard, and all of a sudden it's you know you get that little thing till you get the hang of it. All comes back to you, but it takes a moment. You know, such kind of just share some with you. We've had way too much of that. Moving forward, but you got the little whiplash effect. So what happens is, the people that are trying to go with you, they're kind of like, whoo, what in the world is going on? 
yeah. You get that, yeah. Let's go forward, and you got the. And brother and sister, can I tell you something? God is in a position where that He is wanting to move us forward, but He's wanting us to begin to gain momentum, and He's wanting us to begin to move more and more forward, 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 gaining speed to see what God has in in front of us. Understand this, brother and sister. God is in a position where He is wanting us to gain momentum, to not just have a jump forward only to slide back. He's wanting us to begin to press forward and to see God work more, to become more invested in His presence, to be more invested in the ministry, to be more invested in what God has in store for us as an individual and for us as a church this morning. He's wanting this. He wants us to gain momentum. And brother and sister, we want to see this. We want to see momentum moving forward. So brother and sister, let me just share something with you. Almighty God wants us to move forward. He wants us to gain momentum. Even if we are just starting out. Even if we're in a position where that we're just getting, we're just in the process of, maybe we've been waiting for a while. I want you to take your Bible, I want you to flip over to Joshua chapter 3 for just a moment. This morning, I want to talk about this momentum, but I want to break it up into some different things. Next week, we're going to be talking about momentum through opposition. And the following week out of that, we're going to be talking about uh, momentum in the making. Okay? So, brother and sister, understand this. There is, there is some things that we have to continually to gain momentum through. Because there will be a lot of reasons and excuses that we can be able to say, well, that's, you know, that exempts me. Okay? So many times we exempt ourselves before God gets to a place where He's moving in our lives consistently. That's where we get this kind of motion, this huck and buck kind of, uh, and, uh, and, uh, 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 and it dies and we roll backwards. Okay? But God is wanting to say, Tim, Rose of Sharon, I want you to move forward, but I want it to be more than just a uh-uh and roll back. Uh-uh, stall out. Uh-uh, and I want you to ma- maintain and begin to grow in momentum in moving forward. But He also says this, yes, you are going to move forward. Yes, you are going to maintain movement forward like we talked about last week and God showed up around this morning here in this place and said, yes, this is what I'm talking about. But understand this, there will be some processes that you have to go through. And one of them is this, waiting. Alright? Listen to this in Joshua chapter 3. Flip over there very, very quickly. Sometimes we can be in a position that we're in the process of waiting for divine purpose. We're waiting for divine direction. We're waiting for divine whatever to take place in our life. But notice, brother and sister, how that the Lord deals with the people that have been waiting forever, it seems like, for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Joshua chapter 3. Listen to what the Word of God says, okay? He says in verse 3, And they commanded, talking about Joshua, commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. So he says this, 
When you see the presence of the Lord, you go. Whenever you begin to see what's going on, now realize something. Let me just say something for just a second. They had been promised, the first time they had been promised, they had gone through 400 plus years of Egyptian captivity since the Lord first said, I'm going to give you this land. When they get out of Egypt, they have gone through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They have seen an entire generation God killed off because of their unfaithfulness and their unbelief. God's raised up a brand new generation of all these saints that are under 30 years of age. All of a sudden, He's raised them up. Now they are the leaders. Now they are the elders. And all of a sudden, they have been waiting for almost 500 years to be able to see this promise to be made. And guess what happens? The Lord says this, We're about to go, but when you know it's time to go, what do you do? You look for the presence of the Lord. Brother and sister, let me share something with you. We move when the presence of the Lord moves. We do when the presence of the Lord moves. Brother and sister, understand something. Sometimes in the middle of the waiting process, we will jump at everything in order to hopefully see what we want to see. But though Joshua says this, you wait until the presence of the Lord begins to move. And whenever the Lord begins to move, that's whenever it's time. So let me just share something with you. Realize this, understand this. That while you're waiting, the presence of the Lord is still with you while you're waiting. Oh, Jesus. Catch that for a second. Understand, he didn't say that the presence of the Lord will show up and go. He says this, the presence of the Lord is with you, but when it moves, then you move. Realize this, brother and sister. In the midst of your waiting, you still have the presence, the power, the strength, the direction of Almighty God on your case. Problem is this, it's hard for us to see it because the only thing we see is waiting. Okay? You see it, and so sometimes our eyes get turned away from the very thing that can be able to bring us out, to bring us in. So he says the presence of the Lord is there. Now catch what then he begins to say in verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So we understand what he's saying. Whenever I move, then you move with me. But don't get so excited that you do one of these things. Woo, he's moving. So the Lord is way over there still trying to move and you've done taken off and ran off ahead of Him. And all of a sudden, once again, you've gotten in a position where you're like going, you're worse off than what you were because you're like going, where's the Lord? The Lord said move and I moved. I 
And many times we get in that position where the, we begin to feel the Lord saying, it's time to move, it's time to move, it's time to move, it's time to move, it's time to move. And we say, I know what He wants to do. I know what He wants to do. Let me go! <laughs> and all the while, the Lord is saying, I'm moving, but calm down. Just calm down for just a moment. Just be cool, be okay, and watch me. Because this is sometimes whenever we get so far ahead of where God wants to do that we get depressed because, well, God just didn't do what I thought he was going to do. I just don't understand why the Lord just didn't do that because I thought for sure I heard the Lord say that the Lord's going to do something. I saw the presence of the Lord, but all of a sudden now here I am all by myself and I don't understand it because God said he's going to be here. Where am I at, Lord? Problem is, you felt the presence of the Lord. You saw where he was moving. And all of a sudden, you took off in a direction that maybe the Lord was saying, oh, left. And you, because that's where you just thought that it was going. Can I just share something with you? The Lord's ways are higher than your ways. He will do it the way that he wants to do it. So he says, you hang back. Because I know how excited you Pentecostal folks get. You hang back and you let me work and you just follow behind. And you make sure that I don't get so excited that I take off in a direction that you don't want me to. Because what happens is you get built up and all of a sudden depression comes. Anxiety and all of a sudden you've got one of these things. Wow! You've got that whiplash effect, like you're in that standard truck. And then all of a sudden it stalls out, and you're like going, God, where are you at? And the Lord is saying, I tried my best. But know this, the Lord is working, He is moving, but He's maybe doing it in a direction that you are not necessarily expecting. Now understand something, as we begin to find out something, as He begins to work while we wait, there are things that are powerful that we can be able to stand. And brother and sister, I'm going to tell you something. I feel like in our, my spirit that we have been waiting, and we have been waiting here at Rosa Sharon, and many of you have been waiting for God to be able to do, and God to be able to work, and God to be able to speak into your spirit, and God to be able to do this, and God to be able to do that. But can I just be able to share this with you here this morning? Brother and sister, just because God is putting you through the process of waiting does not mean that God's presence is not with you. And that which He has said, that which He will do, and I will wait, and I will watch. But brother and sister, I feel the stirring of the presence of of the Lord and I know that he's working I just have to watch and follow in Jesus name God's getting ready to break out in this place he's getting ready to break out in some of your lives this morning he's getting ready to be able to answer the prayer that you've been praying for he's getting ready to burst something in this house this morning but understand we have to watch to see where God is wanting to be able to do wait in his presence Brother and sister, understand something. I have to, He is the God of the waiting. But in the midst of that waiting, He moves at different times and different seasons. 
Let me share this with you. Turn your Bibles to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture because this has a great kind of amazing passage of Scripture. And I want you to watch with me because we're going we're to kick this thing into overdrive in just a moment. Because there's something I want to show you in Scripture. God is a God that answers prayer. Okay? But understand this. God is a God that deals on a different timetable than what you deal with. Realize this. Now look at here. Daniel chapter 9. Let me just show you very, very quickly. Daniel's a guy, and we're going to be talking about him on Wednesday night, about the man, his visions, and the power of God working in him. We're going to talk about the end time events. We're going to talk about before you can get to the end time events, you really have to talk about the man. Because if you want to be able to see what God is going to do in the end time events, you have to be the man of God that Daniel was to be able to see the effect that you can be able to have in this moment in time. So we're going to talk about him on Wednesday nights as we're coming up to the end of this month, this coming month, and into, to, to, into the first part of summer. But Daniel chapter 9, look at verse 20. Now while I was speaking, now realize this, the Lord has shown Daniel something. Daniel doesn't understand it. And he said, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of the people Israel, and presenting my supplication before, before the Lord my God, for, from, for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. So understand what's happening. The Lord shows him a vision. Daniel gets up and he's like going, Uh, what is that? And he starts praying. And by the time the day is over, guess what happens? The Lord shows up sending an angel, and Gabriel says, um, Daniel, I've come to give you understanding. Now, wouldn't that be awesome if every prayer was answered like that? Woo, Lord have mercy. You pray in the morning, and by evening, by the time the sun goes down, all of a sudden, boom, you've got the answer. Hallelujah. You want to talk about just buck, shout, thank you, Lord, drop your handkerchief and dance around it like it's a sombrero in Jesus' name. You want to talk about just having a time. That would be awesome if every time you prayed, all of a sudden, the Lord would drop that thing that day, at that moment, at that hour, and you're like, wow, God's done it to, for me before. Many different times that I've prayed and I said, oh, God, I need, and the Lord had already been working on it before I even prayed for it. Those are awesome moments. That you finish praying and you get a telephone call and it says, hey, Pastor Tim, I just need to... I'm like, what? 
a couple days ago, I felt like I need to do this. And, and just a moment ago, I just felt I need to call you right now and tell you what I decided. I'm like, those are beautiful times. Can I just be able to share something with you, brother and sister? Sometimes the Lord doesn't work all the time like that. He can answer you at the very moment that you speak. There have been times that I've asked the Lord things, and before I even get finished praying, that all of a sudden they're there. The understanding is there. But there have been other times that I've asked God about certain things that the Lord took some time. Now listen here in Daniel chapter 10. Flip your Bible over one chapter. And look at this in Daniel chapter 10. Look at verse 2. Okay? Verse 2, Daniel chapter 10. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He had had a vision again. He couldn't understand it. It was something about the 70 weeks. In other words, the end time calendar. Because, brother and sister, Daniel, you talk about Revelation. Daniel is the one that sets the timetable for Revelation. You can't really understand Revelation until you understand Daniel and you understand Ezekiel and and, and so anyway, here you come to this position where Daniel is being set out the timetable for what God is going to be doing. Long term. Now what begins to happen? He's like going, my brain is melting. I need to know the understanding of what you're downloading in me. And for three weeks, 21 days, he begins to seek the Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 3. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all. All three whole weeks were fulfilled. 21 days he was involved in this. Now on the 24th day of the first, month, first of the month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded in gold of euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. The sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. I wonder who he's talking about. Lord have mercy. Look at verse 11. And he said, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. You wonder why I talk about standing up in the presence of the Lord sometimes? Because this is the angel of the Lord. He shows up and he says, Get up off the floor, Daniel, and stand up. Because what I'm about to give you is something you need to be ready for. Stands up, and while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for the, from the first day that I sent your heart, or that you set your heart to understanding, and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Let me just share some with you. Understand in this passage of Scripture, 
what is going on. Daniel's praying like he did in Daniel 9. The Lord says, I hear him because he humbled himself. He's called out to me. I'm sending the answer, but the answer is going to be something that you've got to fight through to be able to get the answer. Brother and sister, understand something this morning. Daniel, in this instance, he had to do something more to get the answer that he was seeking for. There will come moments that you pray once and God answers. There will come times that you pray again and you pray again and you pray again and you pray again and you pray again. again. Coming to a place where you are constantly seeking after the Lord. And there comes a time that you've got to do something more. What is that something more? Daniel began to fast. Now let me just ask you, let me just stop right there. When I use that word, a lot of times people freak out. But let me just understand, let me just, understand, let me just give you just a little bit of understanding of what a fast is. The best way that I can be able to simply tell you what a fast is, that it is different from praying. Because praying is just communication with the Lord. You talking to the Lord and the Lord talking to you. Okay? Basic communication. Fasting is something that is a little bit different. Fasting is where we simply communicate with the Lord, but physically placing the Lord above our wants, To seek after His face. In other words, we physically say, I'm not doing this that I want to do, and I'm going to take that time, and I'm going to seek the Lord. Why? Because you, Lord, are more important than that. Fasting is a place where we literally move the Lord into the top place in our life, and we prove it by what we do. Remember I was talking about sacrifice a few moments ago? He sees it. He honors it. Let me just share something with you. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Okay? And you may want to actually write this down this morning and just just catch up with some of this stuff. If you haven't already been writing it down, then that means you're going to have to get the podcast later on. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now, I preach at the beginning of the year about progressive prayer. Which means this. In 7 and verse 8, uh, uh, verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 7, it talks about steps of prayer. You pray sometimes and it works. You seek, and sometimes you have to go to seeking. And sometimes, if that doesn't work, you have to go to knocking. But in everything, there is a progressive involvement of who you are to be able to get what? The answer. And as you notice in verses 7 and 8, it's all about, yes, you may have to seek after the Lord, and yes, you may have to knock to be able to to find the Lord. But in every case, guess what? You find the Lord. There is a progress and a, pro, a process to praying. Sometimes you ask and it happens. Sometimes you've got to seek the Lord. Fasting comes after the place where you pray 
it comes to a place where you are seeking and knocking on the door. Whenever I need to seek and knock on the door and say, Hello, Lord. I know you're in there. Hello, Lord. No, the answer is right there. Hello, Lord. Whenever I'm in that position, how do I knock? How do I seek after the Lord? It comes, this is where we begin to fast. And fasting is part of the progression of prayer. It is something that is separate, but yet it works in correlation with. Now realize this. Now I want you to take your Bible and I want you to take over and I want you to look down at Matthew chapter 6. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading around verse 16, but I just want to share this with you. Understand this. The Lord is found when we ask, when we seek, and when we knock. So understand this. The end effect is always this. The Lord hears us and works on our behalf. But sometimes we have to get more involved in it. We have to seek. We have to knock. And fasting begins to be a part of this. Brother and sister, when we elevate our wants for God over the physical wants and needs, you'll be amazed at what God can do. Now, fasting is normally traditionally in a position it deals with abstaining from food, okay? Abstaining from certain activities and then giving God that time that you would spend, okay? So if you spend 30 minutes eating your lunch and he says, okay, if you're going to fast lunch, then guess what? I want that 30 minutes. What you are doing is you are putting... Your want for God above your physical wants. So what you're doing is you are dethroning the belly and putting the Lord on the throne. Come on somebody for just a moment. My Lord have mercy. There are many different types of fasting. Okay? The end of the year when the Lord, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was talking about the Lord had been talking about to, about to me about a lot of this stuff, talking about momentum, some of the stuff that we're getting ready to see from, from and, and a lot of different things about scheduling and services and how we disciple and all this other stuff. And it was like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle strode all over the table. And I'm sitting there going, God, where in the world? Where do I start, sweet Lord? And a lot of that has been this past year as we begin to move in our, the second year that I've been here. And a lot of that has been like, God, where in the world? i got pieces all over the place. Pull them together a little bit. Let me see where we're going with this whole thing. And at the beginning of the year, I met more people involved in the Daniel fast. And I, I, Lord have mercy. It seemed like everywhere I turned, every place I went, somebody's involved in the Daniel fast. And I would ask them, what, what kind of fast is a Daniel fast? You know they told me? Completely different answers all the way across. I met people that only ate veggies. I ate people that only ate fish. I ate people that, that did not, uh, that they did according to the Jewish custom where they didn't eat during the day and when the sun goes down they were free to eat. I met all kinds of people. There were some I think were fasting just to be able to lose weight in a spiritual way. I met all kinds of different people. I met all, and I asked these questions. Why? Because the Lord was dealing with me about this. 
even back then a couple months ago, and he was preparing the way. And I began to ask, and I began to just look about a few different things. And I began to talk to God about things. And I'm going, God, what kind of fast are you wanting us to be able to do? If we're trying to seek after you, how can we be able to do this? And I want you to begin to understand in Matthew chapter 6, as he begins to talk about fasting. And I want you to begin to feel the heart of God. And I want to be able to, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this much. Brother and sister, understand, Matthew chapter 6 starts talking about the Lord's Prayer. I don't have time to talk about the Lord's Prayer. But immediately after he finishes the Lord's Prayer, he deals with fasting. And after he deals with fasting, he starts dealing with focus. And when he starts dealing with focus, he starts dealing with lordship. Guess what? We divide those passages of Scripture that we're about to read, and we'll preach about them independently. But understand some brother and sister, they are all connected in Scripture. They work very well independently, but guess what? When you put them all together, it talks about fasting in a very powerful way. I want you to look at something in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. Let me just read for just a moment. I want to put your eyes in the Word for just a moment. I want you to catch this as we begin to go. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites... With the sad countenance. Let me just tell you something. If you are somebody that says, I don't want to worship God because of all the hypocrites. And guess what? They've been around since Jesus' time. And if Jesus had to deal with them, guess what? He still worshiped God. Are you saying that you're better than Jesus? If you're saying you're better than Jesus, go on the altars right here. This is a good time, my God in heaven. This is a good time for you to go on and just say, Okay, God, I'm not going to hold that anymore. I'm going to worship you because you are willing. Because if Jesus worshiped you in the midst of hypocrites, why can't I? Whoa, you're preaching, Pastor. You're preaching. Some of y'all will get that later on, and some of that will hurt whenever you get home and you start thinking about it. That's going to hurt some of y'all. Like, oh. Mm, Lord, have mercy. I'll let the Lord deal with you. I ain't got time. So listen. For they disfigure their faces that they... <laughs> Jesus. So much there, but I ain't got time. There's so much there. And they may appear to be men, to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Mm. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your feet. Your face, rather. Your feet, too, because they probably stink. But anyway, verse 18. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who has seen in secret will reward you openly. Let me just share some with you before we move on any further. Whenever he's dealing with fasting, it is all about not who you are around, but it's all about Jesus. My Lord, have mercy. I said, it's all about Jesus. It's all about putting your focus on Him. It's not about anything else. It's not for me to look spiritual. It's not for me to be able to have people look at me and go, Ooh, don't He look very spiritual? Ooh. 
No, it is about this. Me coming to a place that I say, Lord Jesus, I want you more than I want anything else and I'll pay the price for it. Mm, Lord Jesus. Now if you're in the NIV, you'll realize very quickly that that's a paragraph. But notice this. Sometimes we stop right there and we'll pick up in the next paragraph. But realize this, brother and sister. Paragraphs, they work together. To build a story. Look at now how we begin to transition. Yes, we're still talking about prayer, fasting. But now look at what we're about to talk about in verse 18. or in, Sorry, in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Where the moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is the very reason why we fast? To put God above everything else. What is he saying here in these verses? As we put God above everything else, our focus needs to shift to God and not to the things that are around us that we treasure. Put our eyes on God because that is where the true reward comes. I can tell whenever people don't fast. And you can tell when people do fast. Why? Because their eyes get shifted from what is earthly to what is spiritual very, very quickly. Why? Because when that belly starts rumbling and you start sacrificing something, whether it's a TV show or whether it's TV period, and saying, I'm enough of it, I want it to go after God. And you start saying, ooh, I really won't, I really won't. Those are the moments that we say, I'm shifting my eyes. From what is here to what is there. And I'm going to lay up treasure in heaven. Because where my heart is, that's where I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to experience. That is what I'm going to see God in His glory. Listen to what he states here. Back down in verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Pastor, what is he talking about? If your focus is set on the Lord, the very thing that is shining in that window in your heart is the presence of the Lord, is the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, guess what begins to happen? You begin to radiate what? The glory and the presence of the Lord. But if your window and your gate is toward, tilted toward trash, guess what? You're going to smell trash. Have you ever taken trash out? You know, that stuff that has freezer burn on it, that stuff that has kind of been defrosted, it's kind of just like it's no good anymore. You're like going, oh man. And you put it in a trash bag and you take it out and you set it in your trash can outside, and maybe you don't close it up before you take it to the trash, and you leave your door open, or the window door or the window open. What is that? 
That's the same thing that begins to happen. When our eyes get off of the Lord and gets on trash, we begin to fill up with trash. And when people look at us, they say, there's trash. But when we got our eyes on the Lord and He begins to shine in us the light of the gospel and we begin to focus on Him and He begins to focus on us, we begin to permeate the presence of the Lord all around us like we have never seen before. And let me just finish this up with verse 24 as I put the bow on this very, very quickly this morning. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve pills and the Lord. You can't serve money, thank you, or God. You can't serve the TV and God. You can't serve the table and God either. You can't serve two of them. Now let me tell you something. When you serve God, then you can be able. TV doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. Other stuff doesn't matter. If the Lord is the number one position. But the moment that anything else rises above the Lord, then all of a sudden, you're no longer His. His Lordship doesn't reign over that. Brother and sister, understand something this morning. How does that work in my life? Let me give you this right here as we tie this all up. Brother and sister, Understand, fasting is about focusing on the Lord. We find that in these passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. It's all about focusing on the Lord and not man. In a few moments, brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask you across this building to come into a 21-day fast with me. Brothers and sisters, you may say, well, are we going to be fasting? I'm going to say this, that is your choice. I know what the Lord has dealt with me about. That I'm going to be fasting. They say, Pastor Tim, what do you mean? Because understand, in this whole entire passage of Scripture, you know what it's dealt with? It's dealt with this. Your heart. Before Daniel had a Daniel fast, you know what it was? It was just a fast that Daniel put his name to. Why did he put his name to it? Simply because that was what his heart turned to, to do, to follow the Lord. My sister, what is your heart turning to? What is your heart turning to? What is your heart turning to? What is the thing that you value? What is the thing that you're hearing that you say, Lord Jesus, I will focus on you. Maybe I need to put down social media. For three weeks. Boy, it's going to be hard. But instead, I'm going to give that time to you. Maybe some of you say, Pastor Tim, I can't, I can't miss meals. i got to work physically. I can't miss. And then maybe you can be able to say, you know what? I'm going to fast a meal. And I'm going to give that to the Lord. 
Maybe some of you have gotten all wound up in TV. You'll stay up so late that you can't even be able to get up to do your devotions. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to fast television. Some of it may be certain things that you're drinking. Maybe some of you need to, God's saying, you need to, you need to fast caffeine. Jesus. Say, so Pastor Tim, that, that, that hurts. Can I tell you something? You're saying something. For a fast to be able to work, it is all about what are you seeking after. And seeking after the Lord. David came when a plague, when he numbered the people of Israel. And the Lord told him, says, you know what, there's a way that you can be able to get out of this. The prophet told him. He said, you have to give a sacrifice to the Lord. And he goes to the threshing floor. And he says, I need this. And the guy, and the, and the guy says, the owner of it says, you can have it, King David. You can have it. You can have it. And David says this, I will not give anything to the Lord if it has not cost me something. Some of us here have gotten way to a position that we have so tried to cheat the Lord. We want the Lord to work in our lives, but we're not willing to give Him everything for it. We want to be able to come to a place that, yes, we want to be able to have, but yet we don't want to, we don't want to pay for it. My God, if I ever learned this lesson earlier in life, things could have been so much different. There's power when you divest your worth and you take on the worth of the Lord. And this morning, I'm going to be asking you in just a moment, to, what are you willing to put your focus on the Lord and take off of yourself? Because that's what fasting is all about. Notice this, that fasting and as you focus on the Lord in your fasting, the Word of God says this in this passage of Scripture, that the resources of heaven begin to realign as you begin to line up with heaven. As I line up with heaven and put the Lord first, the very resources that I need begin to work and begin to move into place and I begin to fall into a place where the Lord begins to reward me openly for the very things that I'm seeking after Him quietly. Brother and sister, fasting is powerful. I'm not going to put a whole lot of twisting on you this morning. I'm going to ask you to do two things this morning. If the Lord is dealing with you about fasting, I want you to turn, come to terms with the Lord. Lord, this is what I'm going to give up for 21 days starting tomorrow. Why? Because some of you just need to prepare. Some of you need to prepare. Some of you need to make arrangements for tomorrow. Some of you need to start and begin to put your heart in place where you're ready to be able to do this. Some of you need to clean out some Pepsi in your, in, your, in your house. 
Some of you need to clean out some other stuff in your house that you have here and say, God, this is yours. Brother and sister, I'm going to ask you to come to terms with the Lord. And when you come to terms with the Lord, tomorrow morning, whatever time that you spend doing that thing, give it to the Lord. Increase your time with the Lord, praying and seeking after Him. Can we be able to do that this morning? Everybody understand what I'm asking you? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to terms with the Lord. Meaning this, that you set it in stone in your heart, your life. Lord Jesus, this is what I'm doing. And allow Him to put His seal upon it. How are we going to do this? I'm about to open up these altars. I'm going to ask you to come and to be able to set terms with the Lord. Some of you this morning, it's going to be a little bit more. Because some of, some of us have things that we're just about to give up that's going to really come to the very core of what some of us are. Because in doing it, we're going to have to lay down some stuff. Come to terms with it. Come to terms with it. And if you give up breakfast, give up lunch, give up dinner, give it to the Lord. Whatever it is that you're about to give up, give it to the Lord. Set the terms right here. And when you're finished praying, you're free to be able to go. But I'm going to ask you, please don't leave. Please don't leave until we have corporate prayer. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus. I feel your presence working across this building. Lord Jesus, you're about to change some people's lives in these 21 days. You are about to turn people's lives inside out. You're about to give them revelation that they've never had before. You're about to speak into their lives. You're about to do things in their life that opens up the windows of heavens in ways, Lord, that they have never experienced. So dear God, right now in the name of Jesus, speak to lives and let us set the terms this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, these altars are open. You say, Pastor Tim, I'm going to take the journey. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to come. Fill up these altars. Fill up the, 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 the stairs. You're in the front. You just move this morning. I want us to move this morning. Just like Joshua. He said, you see the presence of the Lord. Move this morning. Move this morning. If you need to come and you need to say, I can't bend down, then right here on the front seat, just come and sit. If you're on the front seat, I want you to move. I want you to move this morning. I want you to move. Everybody needs to move. Come on and take this with me. Take this step with me. Come on and fast with me this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Cross this building. This is just time between you and the Lord. Find a place. Neil, come on and pray. Nobody praying for each other this morning. I want you calling out to the Lord this morning. Come on right now. You can't come and kneel. Come and just sit there on the very front seat. It's okay. I want you to move this morning. Come on and move in the name of Jesus.
firm.